What's up, what's up, wrestling fans? This is episode 214 of Top Rope Nation. My name is Ryan Drosty. I am here with Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We're going to be talking some current professional wrestling for the first time in a couple of weeks, coming off of some really good historical shows. I think uh, last week we had our look back at the Great American Bash with Graham Coffin. Uh, the week before here on the main feed, we had our teaser of ECW One Night Stand 2006, the Top Rope Nation classic show we did. So we're going to start off tonight talking about uh, this year's Money in the Bank show, which is on the horizon. And then actually we're going to get a little historical on you again and, and look at this uh, top tag teams list that WWE put out few days back but uh before we get to that let's check in on the boys justin joint cross town for me what's going on tonight justin not much uh wrapped up a pretty solid fourth of july weekend you know spent time with family had beers with friends and imagine not thinking harry kane is a world-class striker <laughs> yeah a little soccer discussion going on in the uh, the old group text over the last few days kyle ross you win any big money on that Yes, I had England in the last round. I'll tell you what, though. They're going to be the heels in that next match in the semifinals against Denmark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, all the neutrals are on the are with the Danes. But, uh, yeah, I had a great 4th of July, too. Um, Ryan, maybe you, with your uh, knowledge of history, could help me out here uh, on that fateful night in 1776. I don't know if the Founding Fathers got after it. But 245 <laughs> years later, your boy did, and I am playing hurt today. They probably got after it, man. Those guys like to drink, uh, especially John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, a uh, a Boston man. He loved his he loved his hard cider back in the uh, the 18th century, as or so I am told. So I, I wouldn't be surprised in those a uh, couple of weeks in July of 1776 if they weren't hitting the establishments and drinking some lagers at least. He'd, he'd be drinking all those seltzers like the kids are nowadays. <laughs> Actually, they're probably drinking ales back then, sorry, uh, rather than lagers. But yeah, yeah, those guys drank. I, in fact, I went to Boston a few years back and uh, did a revolutionary era bar crawl, which was a lot of fun. So uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad you were able to pull it together tonight, Kyle, to record a new broadcast with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to let the listeners know, no C-Market house show effort for me tonight. Like Ric Flair in the Superdome against Terry Taylor. I'll have them all begging for mercy after going Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Could always count on you with the classic historical wrestling references. I love it. Guys, if you've never listened to Top Rope Nation before, stick Why? around first of all where the hell have you been the best kept secret in the pro wrestling podcasting world but getting bigger week in and week out tell your friends tell your family subscribe to the podcasting feed leave us a sweet five-star rating we'd appreciate it uh better yet i haven't talked about this on the air in a while one of the best things you could do is leave us a five-star written review so that we can read it on the air and if you do so Leave your Twitter or Instagram handle in the review so I can get a hold of you, and I will send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail 
all you got to do is leave us a five-star rating. Uh, so do that. And then, of course, all of our shows are going out on YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel so you can check out the video feeds of every podcast we do. And so you can join us live after each and every WWE and AEW pay-per-view and get you involved in the show. It's a lot of fun. We'd love to have you join us. And, of course, check out our friends at BlueWirePods.com. Of course, we are members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. So, Kyle, uh, you kind of put together the agenda for tonight's show. And so I'm going to let you introduce the first topic. This is current events focused. What do you have for us? Okay, so Ryan, as you teased at the top, we are talking Money in the Bank 2021 a little bit tonight. And there's a couple items that I wanted to bring up here for discussion. I wanted to know what you guys had to say about these things. So number one, your challengers in the men's world championship matches are Edge and Kofi Kingston. Okay, interesting. I was thinking... When you talk about really, and this is something we've said and lots of people have said for a long time about, you know, WWE not paying much mind to long-term booking, but man, is this kind of flagrant to me? And I'd really be interested in your guys' feedback, our listeners' feedback. Edge and Kofi Kingston were both squashed at WrestleMania. Like, think back, like, what is that, three months ago? Mm-hmm. How they were pinned. Edge was one of two guys pinned simultaneously by Roman Reigns. He was like Tito Santana in 1988 against Andre the Giant. Yes. And Kofi Kingston was pinned by one foot. Like a total jobber. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we had brought that up maybe on the uh, Green Room app show, Ryan. For some reason, I'm having flashbacks of, of talking about that. But, man, like... That's kind of interesting to me when it's like you have two pay-per-view world title contenders and at WrestleMania, your biggest show of the year, I mean, these guys were not exactly made to look like big-time challengers coming out of their matches. Yeah, as as you already said, it's definitely an indictment on WWE's long-term booking. But on the flip side for me, for one, I think Edge covered his tracks pretty well with his promo on SmackDown, you know, saying, hey, Jay Uso interfered in that match. Daniel Bryan cost me a possible win a couple times. So he has that. Yes, it was not a great look to have, you know, your future challenger getting double stacked, as Roman Reigns' shirt says. Um, and for Kofi, that's kind of even a worse one. But he kind of has the tenure. He has the title reign. You know, and just like in real sports, you can say maybe guys get on a hot streak. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting considering, you know, we talked about with Hell in a Cell, it was like a stopgap almost show, it felt like, because it was the last pandemic era show, even though it's featuring the freaking Hell in a Cell match. So it should be important, but it didn't really feel like it was important. And then, you know, you get to this show, and as you say, Kyle, you've got two guys that haven't been i mean it's it's still edge he's a legend but they haven't been booked the strongest over the last couple of months so i mean how are they looking at this show i mean it, they need to do something special because they're going to have that live crowd down in texas you know finally again uh but yeah it definitely shows it's week to week booking i feel like uh, just like it was as we're going to talk about on a show coming up in a couple of weeks uh, around the era of CM Punk and John Cena, where they had, they really had something there in the summer of 2011, uh, but they were booking 
week to week. And I, you know, they didn't have that long-term direction. And I think it screwed them when they actually had something that they could have maybe turned into something even bigger. And uh, right now, I guess the excuse is you're coming out of the pandemic and they haven't been going full throttle, but Hey man, they don't have a lot of uh, worthy challengers built up. So they got to rewind here. No, they don't. And here's the other issue. Does anyone believe either of those two are going to win? Oh, absolutely. But not only that, but if you had to bet on one of them winning, wouldn't you say Kofi? I mean, there's mm-hmm. no way Edge is winning because they're obviously building to a match with Seth Rollins there. Yeah, Kofi yeah. is the only one you could potentially make an argument for. Yeah. Um, and he's not. Like I said, uh, you, that's this was the discussion we had, Ryan, on the Green Room app before. Kofi Kingston is only a former world champion in canon when it's convenient for them to mention it. Like mm-hmm. his career, traje- his actual career trajectory, which was, you know, New Day, you know, tag team stalwart, wins the world title in this great storyline, then went immediately back to what he was doing as if it didn't happen. Like if you were in a coma that year in 2019, it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it didn't even matter. But um, I had an, oh, here's the point that I was going to make. Like in the olden days, future pay-per-view challengers like in world title matches, they would win even if the match wasn't good per se. And this is an advantage that for me, old school wrestling has like in the eighties, they would win in squash matches at WrestleMania, right? They were booked completely dominant. And, you know, I don't know. That's where I'm interested to hear like fan feedback. Is this something that doesn't matter to you anymore? Am I being too nitpicky or do you like it the old way where challengers are built up over a longer period of time? Um, made to feel important that they're very much next in line, not that they're just shoehorned because there's a, a pay-per-view title match that month. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of an interesting discussion to be had. This kind of takes me back a couple months, Kyle, because, um, well, I had had a discussion with somebody about this and you were kind of lurking and observing it. And the, the big issue I had at the time, we were talking about potential challengers for the world championships in WWE. And I was talking with this person about how they don't have any, they don't book long-term. They don't have anyone you can buy as challengers like on the horizon. And this person was saying, oh, they'll be fine. They could just heat up somebody out of nowhere. That's what they do. And I was saying, that's a very bad way to do business. You need to book them over the long haul. And that that's exactly where we're at now here a few months later. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you were correct. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something that's been going on forever that like, mm-hmm. you know, with Kofi, it's like, okay, well, we need, you know, you have these shows and it's like, well, we need somebody to challenge Bobby Lashley. He can't do Drew McIntyre every freaking month. Uh, so somebody in the writer's room probably pitched, well, what if we just went back to Kofi? Mm-hmm. And there was probably no better option. And, you know, I mean, Vince doesn't care. Do you think, you know, if once Vince is settled, oh, okay, we'll go with Kofi. Do you think like someone's like, well, Vince, we squash Kofi at WrestleMania. Do you think he's going to care? Which I think is the problem, kind of. Well, Vince, I, I, he lost the WWE title and we never followed up on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. just I I think for and God, I hate to do this, but to call us older fans, uh, this is a problem or something that we don't exactly enjoy. But for a younger audience who maybe grew up with like a raw every week and a smackdown every week or a three hour raw, I think they're more okay with a guy just being built up by winning like two weeks in a row, uh, you know, on multiple shows that they they don't need that multiple month buildup. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think you're right. It might be a generational thing. Like I, 
I was having a discussion with someone, man. It's it's crazy the number of things that because they've happened so much uh, over a 20-year period in WWE that people it, like this, like what I'm bringing up, there are people who probably don't even think about this or care. And I think it's crazy, man. It's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, for the people that know the history of the business, it's completely nonsensical. And you look at where the company is, not monetarily, because as we've talked about on this show, they make a ton of money, no question about it, but it's not because of the current product. And the current product is not hot. It hasn't been for a long time. They don't have a lot of mainstream appeal right now. Uh, they don't have a lot of appeal among young people, to be honest with you, like the teenager crowd. So why is that? Because they're like devoid of stars. And how do you build stars? You have to book them in the long term, heat them up over months and months and months. So you're dying to see this guy win the title, not pull someone out of obscurity, out of nowhere that hasn't been doing anything uh, important. I mean, let me ask you this. Could you make the case that it's the first show in front of a, a live crowd since Mania and really only the second one in a year and a half? If you want to create some buzz out of this show, could you make a case that throw the title on Kofi Kingston, Kyle, do a title change. No, I mean, well, here's the thing. It depends what they're doing at SummerSlam. And I do assume that, you know, Andrew Zarian has been talking about that. They do have some semblance of a SummerSlam card in place. Mm -hmm. So no, I just think this is Bobby Lashley needs to work this show. He's going to beat this guy. I, I don't, I wouldn't do that where it's like you double down on your lack of foresight because Kofi Kingston's not getting along, wouldn't get a long run. Yeah. Like he's not fat. I mean, let's be honest. He's going right back to the tag division after this, or who knows? I mean, they're, they're going to have a draft. Who knows what they do with them, but he's going right back to, to the mid card after yeah. this, after he loses. So I probably wouldn't do that actually just for the shock factor. No. Okay. What do you think, um, Justin? I don't want to step on, another part of our conversation, but there's an argument to be made that you use Kofi to maybe do something significant with Big E if he wins the money in the bank. Okay. Or you have Kofi win the title, then Big E, you know, maybe pre pretends to cash in on him or you play around with that dynamic. I know the New Day have said that they never want to break up or turn on each other, but if we're going back to live crowds and WWE wants to make a stir or start a conversation, that's what, one way of doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I thought there was a storyline to be told when Kofi had it doing that. I, I actually think that's a little silly, you know, to each his own. It's their careers. I always thought that was kind of silly that they didn't want to feud because I think it's natural. And I think WWE would do it. And I think their refusal to do it sometimes kind of had WWE being like, well, okay, what are we going to still do with these guys? Yeah. Whereas yeah, I bet, I bet you they probably would have bought into a, a feud if they, if they, pitch that like hey we'll do a breakup i'm sure they would have gone for that um mm -hmm. justin you. You, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that edge seth rollins but i will say something nice about wwe uh right now i thought that was actually pretty good the way they foreshadowed how they're gonna go in that edge versus rollins direction for SummerSlam, where they had rollins on talking smack saying hey it's gotta be me you know on that freaking annoying voice of his um talking about uh, you know he, you know with all these guys out of the way now he's gonna be roman's next challenger and then they cut back to uh backstage and like edge gets the shot from uh adam pierce and sonya deville and rollins like no no this can't happen i thought that was a very good 
old school logical tease. Again, they actually know the direction so you can tease it and you can develop. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Hey, ju- just to make sure, you know, speaking of Seth Rollins's voice, you know, he's a fellow Iowan. Me and Ryan don't sound like that to you, do we? No, not at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> not, not at oh, all. Oh man, I'm getting a little <laughs> self-conscious over here. We don't have that Davenport uh, accent. We're from that's, the northern part of the state. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to point two here, Kyle, about the briefcase and we're, or, what we can kind of parlay this into a discussion about the money and the bank matches themselves. Uh, but raise your point about uh, a past situation with the money in the bank briefcase and, and go into this year a little bit. Okay, well, we talk about, you know, obviously everything's done to death, it seems like, in the WWE. But I think there are angles from the past that haven't been done to death that you could go to. And I wanted to throw one out there on the show today. So why has the WWE never attempted to copy the planned storyline for Mr. Kennedy in 2007-2008? For those of you who may have forgotten, Mr. Kennedy won the Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania 23. The next night on Raw, he came out and said, I am cashing this in at WrestleMania next year. No matter who the champion is. I thought that was a really good storyline. Now, it, it it did not happen, obviously, because Kennedy got hurt, remember? And then Undertaker got hurt, and they like had to have Edge win it in emergency fashion and cash it in, if you guys remember that. And then like everyone kept getting hurt that summer. Uh, but I think it's an interesting storyline to go back to because it would actually put a lot of impetus on the Royal Rumble. You know, where it's like, okay, hey, the Money in the Bank winners already claimed one of the title opportunities at WrestleMania. This is it. If you don't win the Royal Rumble, there's no second way in there. I mean, I guess the answer to that is, well, WWE, well, February means it's Elimination Chamber time, so we can't do that. <laughs> but putting that aside for a moment, are you guys surprised that that's a storyline that they have never broached again? So they tried to like a couple years later. Right, because Brian was going to do that. Uh, When he won Money in the Bank at 2011, he had said he was going to cash in at Mania, but then he turned heel and he cashed in earlier. So they kind of were going to do it. You're right. And that, when they had him turn heel, that was impromptu because he wasn't even in the building that night, right? That story, didn't they have to like, it just, the show happened to be in Washington. They had to rush him to the building because they came up with the cash in last minute. Smackdown in like November, right? I think it was I a pay per view, wasn't it? Thought it was TLC. Yeah, it was. It was like yes, it was the TLC. I can't pay-per-view. remember. But yeah, he was not at the building at the start of the show. He was not scheduled to appear, but because it was it nearby, they were able to get him there last minute. Oh, <laughs> that is right. They, he did, but he may he may have just been doing that to foreshadow a heel turn. I'm trying to wonder, but I I just think it's a, it'd be an interesting story if you've got the right guy that people would be cool with. Why not go with that? So I've got three questions. Okay. One, uh, refresh my memory. Was Kennedy a, a heel or a face at that time? Heel. Heel. Okay. Uh, two, if he had even stayed healthy, do you think they would have been able to hold out until WrestleMania with him? I mean, knowing them, they would have pulled the trigger earlier, right? I don't know. I mean, it kind of like, Shoehorn, I mean, are you saying would they have just soured on him over the course of 12 months? I don't know. I don't think they would have had the patience to actually hold out for an entire year. 
I mean, there, there's all sorts of factors. Like obviously yeah. health bit them anyways. There's and people you know, that momentum. Like yeah. Um, but I guess the main question is in the past 10 years or so, who do you think they could have done this with? Hmm. Or who, who would have been a good choice? I mean, I would think maybe one of the NXT call-ups, if they had any kind of plan, they could have done something. I, that... I don't, well, here's the thing, and it goes back to our first point. with long. Don't say book. Otis. I don't want to hear no, Otis. No, it's not, no, <laughs> not going to be Otis. Yeah. No, it goes back to long-term booking. It's somebody, and your, your second point that you just made, Justin, it's all about being committed to someone long-term. Mm-hmm. You have to say, this is someone that we care deeply, and we are going to peak them at WrestleMania. I think it's a great move for like a baby face. Like, like like a, a a baby face that you really want to build the brand around, whoever your next big baby face might be. Um, as far as the last, like, God, all this time, I don't know who they do it with because they've fallen in love with so much just the heel sneaking in and winning. And like, mm-hmm. that's just so tired to me. I, I don't know. I know that maybe some people may disagree with my comment on that, but I don't know. Like, how many? Look at Money in the Bank winners. Video. While you're doing that, the reason I said SmackDown, I had to look this up because I was like, yeah, it was at TLC. When Brian did it, he had first done it on SmackDown against uh, Mark Henry and beat him. But then Teddy Long said Henry was not medically cleared to compete and he voided the match result. If you remember, like, Brian actually had the title in hand, held it up. And then he had to hand it back to that's Teddy. Right. That's what I was thinking about. What a time to be yeah. alive that was. And then TLC a, few, <laughs> TLC a few weeks later, yeah. Then he cashed in. That's right. I'm looking up these winners here. Who could have done it? Um, we just talked about Rob Van. Edge was good. It set the template that has been beaten to death. Rob Van Dam uh, just talked about that on a Top Formation Classic. That was the perfect I, thing they did with him. Yeah, I, I, I'm just... I'm wondering, does it change the trajectory or at least how the fans look at them if they would have done that with Roman Reigns instead of the Royal Rumble win? If fans would have had like nine months to process, hey, this babyface that the fans loved before that Royal Rumble, if he won the money in the bank and said, hey, I'm cashing this in at WrestleMania. Because that's kind of exactly what you're talking about. No, but the You're going to have a hot babyface to do it. The problem was Daniel Bryan came back. And that's True. who the crowd want. That's who the crowd wanted. He was the people's choice, and the people viewed the promotion saying, "F you, it's Roman Reigns." And the, the it's one thing when like the it's just like smarky fans just thinking that you know this is better. We know, but like it's another thing when there's a story there. Like the guy had been stripped of the title, and like it's is very lot. It's very logical that he would want to come back and claim it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I just think Roman was kind of in an unfortunate situation there regardless. Um, trying to look who else. Like, Braun Strowman, maybe? He wanted to, I mean, so his cash, he, he didn't even cash it in, in case you remember. Um, I think he almost would have had to done it the year prior with him. Yeah, that, that would have been bad. Mm-hmm. He was hotter at the time. Yes, I will agree with that. Um, I mean, God, these last few are so freaking. <laughs> Here we come back around the horn to, to Otis. It's Otis. The answer is yep. always Otis. <laughs> um, way. 
Cena. 2012 Ziggler 2012 maybe one of those guys hmm. Cena won Cena won it's funny he won up main eventing anyway against mm-hmm. Rock for the title he won the Rumble um I don't know maybe you would have done it with Ziggler um I know that you know the way he did it wound up being um well remembered uh mm-hmm. but yeah I don't know I'm looking through I don't know if there's I mean it's all about the right guy I, yeah. And I don't know. I I don't know if there's the right guy this year. I'm not just saying just freaking do it, but it's just interesting that like they thought of the idea. It's been 13 years and they've never thought about it again. I think it'd yeah. be a great, a, a great thing to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And one thing they certainly have not utilized as I, I think I've talked about before is utilizing the money in the bank for baby faces where yeah. you don't even have to like, like you could have taken like two years ago, take a ricochet where he cashes in, you know, he just wants a match like RVD did with Cena on a pay-per-view. Just give him a great match to help build him up. He doesn't have to win the title. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, although they've, they've kind of built in, if you don't cash in, you're kind of a loser is the only thing at this point. Then they should have started earlier. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's look at who's in the men's money in the bank. And then we'll also look at the women's. But when you look on the men's side, here uh, in a couple of weeks, you've got Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, Cesaro, or Seth Rollins, Nakamura, or Baron Corbin. And so Sami Zayn's out after uh, after last week, which I was disappointed by because Sami Zayn is the type of character that would be great with the Money in the Bank briefcase, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I guess when you look at these names, who jumps out to you? as someone who could uh potentially be mr money in the bank this year I mean, and, and and cheap cheap plug by the way i talked about this on a pw torch show with uh frank pediani the other day over on the torch vip so check that out but justin who do you think there's only two possibilities there's only two names and those names are baron corbin or john morrison those are the only two that you could have win <laughs> oh ever the jokester justin joint <laughs> No, it's it's got to be Biggie or Riddle. I, I don't understand why you'd go with anybody else. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I McIntyre. I no man. We we had him for an entire year as world champion. We we need to break. Yeah, we talked about this on the podcast though, didn't we? Um, after Hell in a Cell, um, you mm-hmm. know that stipulation. How could they work him back in? Oh, money in the bank's on the horizon. There you go. There's they're out. But what do you think, Kyle? Okay, so I had Biggie and Drew written down as my two. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Drew, the thing is because they've teased this stipulation. If he wins Money in the Bank, he can't cash it in until after Lashley loses. Now they have not addressed what happens if Bobby Lashley is still the champion a year from Money in the Bank. Are they just assuming that no one would believe that? <laughs> but um, <laughs> because I mean that is an interesting thing yeah. about Bobby Lashley. Well, what if I'm the champion for ten years? Uh, but they tease that, and I've said this in the past, and I believe it in da- right down to my by God bone marrow, as Jim Ross would say. Uh, the writing room is kind of sick of money in the bank, I think, and like having to come up with these ideas. I mean, my God, I mean, how like they, they just rely on the same one every year. And I think if Drew were to win it and they don't have to think about it until Lashley loses. I could see them wanting to do that, actually, where it's like, okay, we don't have to worry. Yeah, all right. Well, because it's July, we do money in the bank. 
But now we don't have to commit to anything because we put it on Drew and we don't have to worry about that until after Lashley loses. So I, I could see them actually going in that direction. I think it would be lame. It's not what I would do. Ooh. But he, it, he, could, he could start a magician gimmick and he could pull his giant sword out of the briefcase. On the entrance ramp? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And swallow the sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's what I said on the Torch Show, Kyle, was uh, Big E and Drew McIntyre were my two. And I'd like to see Big E do it. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about Big E on the show for over a year as a, as a potential top guy. We talked to him about him, you know, last year as a potential Royal Rumble winner, months in advance. I'd like to see him go all in on Big E, so... If this is his opportunity, that's I'd like to see Big E get the opportunity. And people, I think, would be excited for it, which is yes. key. Like the you idea, get a big reaction from a live crowd. I think. Yeah, and the idea of oh my god, Big E, all it takes is just you know one cash, and he's a champion. People would be really into that. I know there have been some rumors. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Maybe I dreamt it. Uh, so please confirm or deny that he could get moved over to Raw yeah, in the draft. They talked about because. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, Roman is, you know, he, I don't know if he's going the whole way to WrestleMania next year's champion, but he's not losing anytime soon. So if a Big E were to cash in, um, yeah, maybe he does have to get moved. That's something to, I think, monitor in the next couple months. Yeah, I think with that live audience there, you risk a negative reaction with Drew. You know, like... Drew got a good pop at WrestleMania, but Lashley got a great pop at WrestleMania. He, they, Drew didn't get the reaction probably that they were hoping for. You know, after all those months and him carrying the company or carrying Raw, I should say, uh, through the pandemic. And so with what Justin alluded to with the Drew McIntyre burnout factor, you know, you mm-hmm. have him win money in the bank, that first live crowd outside yeah. of Florida. Man, I don't know. That's a big risk. But Big E, yeah. you're, you're guaranteed a positive reaction yeah. with Big E. Because, and, you know, to the, you know, I talked about what the writers maybe feeling. Well, that's not what the fans are feeling. The fans want, I guess, the feeling that that briefcase could be cashed in at any time. If you're telling your fans, well, this guy won the briefcase, but, you know, <laughs> see in six months. That's probably yeah. not what the fans want to hear. I agree there. There is definite true fatigue. I will say, again, second positive comment I'm going to make about the World Wrestling Federation on tonight's show. The triple threat main event from Raw last week was really good. McIntyre, Riddle, and AJ Styles. I, I had seen enough reputable people saying, hey, this was a really good match. I watched it much better than your usual WWE triple threat. Remember when we were joking about some people online saying Charlotte, Asuka, and Rhea Ripley was worked at such a fast yeah. pace? And I was like, fast? Am I watching the same match? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this was a triple threat actually worked. At a fast pace. Imagine giving that women's triple threat four and a quarter stars. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was not as good as some people were going over the top with that no. at the time. That's for sure. But well, so th- this was a legit four star ma- made event mm-hmm. on Raw this best week. So that's what kind of surprises me that, you know, one of the two names for you guys is Drew McIntyre and not really the only guy who's coming into this match with any kind of real momentum who seems to be Matt Riddle. He's having a quietly a good year. And maybe we should tip the cap to him. He knows what he's doing. So people could talk about that character being so dumbed down and being like this like horrible, like, dude, where's my car impression just to make Vince laugh. But Matt Riddle's on TV every week. And he's featured. You know, we talk about, I mean, you know, everyone was up in arms with the Nikki Cross thing a couple weeks ago. 
you know, I don't necessarily fault that. I mean, it's not an idea that I like, but you know, Nikki cross, she's not even on the top 10 of the pecking order of women. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at the playing field. All right. Riddle is like, you know, some third rate Ashton Kutcher, you know, Alexa bliss is doing this horrible manure. And it's like <laughs> in prominent spots on television. She's like, I got a character, you know? Did, so did I just hear third rate Ashton Kutcher? You're just going out of your way to bash the great state of Iowa tonight. <laughs> I didn't know he was an Iowa. I didn't know he was an Iowa. Uh-huh. He is an Iowa. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> He's actually from closer to uh, Justin and myself than Seth Rollins. He's oh, a okay. Cedar Rapids boy. Well, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, that out. yeah. I, um, but no, just you're right. Riddle, I, I think should be in the discussion. I just, you do you do see a little bit of confidence in him maybe in the promotion, right? I mean, they've got him paired with Randy Orton. So the pairing with Orton has been great. Yes. I think, you know, up until the Orton pairing and what he was doing with Orton and you look at the character, you're like, where is this going? It's awful. I still don't, you know, really like the way he's portrayed on TV, no. but with Randy Orton, it's entertaining. You know, like credits Randy Orton too, but like the two of them go well together. So to their credit, that has worked. Well, you know, in speaking of, uh, you know, putting it on Drew McIntyre just because the writers don't want to have to worry about the cash in for a while. You can kind of do the same thing with Riddle in the fact that you have this program with Orton where you can continue the tag team and then move that into a feud. Uh, and, and that's like two or three months before you have to worry about what they're going to do with it. Very yeah, sure. that tag team's going to be around for a while. Uh, what I've heard. I see them winning the tag titles. Probably mm-hmm. right. I mean, yeah. AJ and Omos, why are they the tag team champions? Have they even like defend? I mean, how many times have they defended the titles? It feels <laughs> like I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I maybe I skipped some of the stuff on Raw, but it doesn't seem like they're the most active uh, tag team champions in history. No, more on I mean, tag teams later on. <laughs> we had such uh, such high hopes for them after yeah. WrestleMania, right? Um, they did defend them on the May thirty first Raw. Against Elias and Jackson Riker. Well, uh, a, before that, before that, a tag team match in 2021. In fact, they've had only only two tag team title defenses. There was that one, and then on the May third Raw over the New Day. That's it. Two, so two title defenses uh, since Mania. Well, I'm sorry, old school me has to cry foul here. They need to be stripped. They have not defended them in 30 days. <laughs> they they didn't defend them once in June. I knew so, I no, crazy. they haven't because they so they won them on April 10th, defended them on May 3rd. So they got that one in, defend them on May 31st, and they have not defended them since. So they should be stripped. You are correct. Let's start a petition online. <laughs> Top Rope Nation Facebook group. I know you're listening. Got to get this petition going. Somebody bring back Jack on the take Tunny from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's look at the women's match, though, here um, before we go any further. So. In this one, we've got Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Carmella, Zelina Vega, um, the recently returned Zelina Vega, and two more to be added. Based on the names we know right now, how are we feeling about a potential winner here, Justin Joint? Not, not, not great. I, not I can great. only see, the only one to me that makes any sense, and she's obviously not even in it yet, is Liv Morgan. I don't know why they keep handing out spots to like Carmella and Zelina Vega and having Liv Morgan beat them, but she still doesn't have a spot yet. It seems like that's what they're building too, because this is not a very inspiring bunch as announced right now. Yeah. I mean, with the names right now, um, I think Alexa Bliss is the only one. (laughs) 
to be honest with you, that seems like a possible winner, but we'll see who the uh, who the two added are. What do you think, Kyle? I wouldn't put the briefcase on any of these women. <laughs> a tip of the cap to Justin Joy for giving real talk there um, because, yeah, I just don't see... Uh, I don't see anything interesting. I mean, Asuka, she's a former champ, so I don't know. I mean, she's at a certain level, so I guess. But And she won last year, too. Yeah. So I don't think they'll go back-to-back. Naomi, no. Sorry, Naomi stands. Uh, Alexa, you're right. She's pushed to a certain level. Nikki, I don't know, man. If they get behind this character, maybe. Uh, Carmella, no way. And Zelina Vega just came back, so maybe. But I don't know. Nothing jumps off the page yeah. here for me. No, this, I mean, this is a tough call. I Just based on how people have been pushed on TV, despite the storyline being absolutely awful. I just I looked at those names and like, uh, oh, Alexa Bliss, two time Miss Money in the Bank. I mean, that's really at this point, if I had to go with someone, that's that's who it would be. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's an indictment of the uh, the women's division right now. it's gonna be interesting too because you've got you know sasha coming back soon becky lynch has got to come back Mm -hmm. at some point right i mean a lot of these folks aren't really factoring into like you know the high end of the mix right now the women's division uh, an open spot and have becky lynch come back as a surprise for this match win money in bank and announce she's cashing it maybe i mean i i don't see a lot i mean look i know there's what a couple weeks of tv left i just don't see anyone in this match really being viewed as like the people's choice like we really want this person to win right i could be wrong I, i mean i don't necessarily have the mind of a wwe fan but uh for me i'm gonna watch this and you know you you show this list and no offense i'm saying who cares so certainly like if they if they threw becky into this match and she won the crowd would absolutely love it at the same time becky lynch obviously doesn't need to win money in the bank to get a title match like she can come back and logically get in a title match at SummerSlam. I mean, all she has to do is say she never lost the title. She wants a yeah. shot at her title again. Boom. There yep. it is. Yeah. It would be kind of, you're right. You would almost not want to waste an opportunity because it is something, a, a chance to elevate someone, even if they don't typically do a good job with it. But you're right. If you give it a Becky, you're just basically saying, well, the rest, you know, piss off to the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. But Hey, they had Brock Lesnar do it the one time. True. Remember that farce? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I do. Was not high on that one at the time. All right. Should we get into this tag team list? Sure. This is where we're going to get historical on you. So we, we can't go a week without talking a little bit of uh, classic professional wrestling. So I'm going to put on the screen here for our for our video version for those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, but WWE completed the 50 greatest tag teams list, uh, a series they were doing on Peacock and the WWE Network. And uh, this got a little bit of discussion going over in the Facebook group. If you're not in the group, by the way, join it. Search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook, or you can find the link here in the episode description. Uh, But when it comes to the 50 greatest tag teams in WWE history, their top 10 in order, starting with number one, were the New Day, the Hardy Boys, the Hart Foundation, Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, Legion of Doom, Usos, New Age Outlaws, the Brothers of Destruction, 
and the British Bulldogs. And just outside the top 10 at number 11 was Demolition. Can, can I just say uh, right off the bat that there are obvious problems with this list, but by the standards of WWE lists, this is actually really, really good on their part. This is one of the better ones they've ever come up with. You you can nitpick it, but I, I don't think it's too far off from uh, what the actual answer is. To that point, there are only two changes I would make in the top 10. Now, we could certainly reshuffle the top 10 around, and I would reshuffle, but in terms of teams that are in the actual top 10 that I would not have in the top 10, Legion of Doom would not be in my top 10. I did not really like either of their WWF runs at all. And Brothers of Destruction is offensive to me. And I went about that on Facebook. Their run in 2001 is about as heinous as anything in professional wrestling history. Just (laughs) awful. Them being like the, you know, working the first main event after WrestleMania 17 against the two-man power trip, that stunk. Um. The match with DDP and Canyon at SummerSlam of that year is maybe my least Hmm. favorite match. Or it's on the Mount Rushmore of least favorite matches in WWE. I mean, you talk about reasons the invasion died. Go back and watch that. Just a one-sided squash. Remember when they had Undertaker's wife pin DDP on television? I've erased all this from my memory. I forgot about that SummerSlam (laughs) match until you just said that. I'm like, oh, man, I do remember that. Yeah, I always thought the Brothers of Destruction was lame. I mean, I like... I like kind of superpower, mega power, yeah. if you will, tag team sometimes, but that one just didn't really work for me. Yeah. I didn't like it. I was just always pissed when they won. <laughs> like, I was just, you know, remember like they gave Edge and Christian the jobber treatment in the summer of 2000 when yeah. Edge and Christian were at their <laughs> peak? Um, I just always hated the brothers' destruction uh, yeah. a lot. So I wouldn't have them up there. And then the two teams I would bump up into the top 10 that were not in the top 10, Ryan, you mentioned Demolition at number 11. Um, they would they'd be in my top 10 mm-hmm. and the rockers would be in my top 10 probably top five. Oh wow okay yeah I, I agree with justin's take i think overall the list is pretty well done i mean you're never going to get it perfect people are going to take issue with it nitpick it every which way brothers is a destruction again is the most outlandish one in the top 10 you look at the rest of them and again, this is a WWE list. They're not looking at the history of wrestling. That's why mm-hmm. you don't see the Midnight Express up here. This is why you don't see the Freebirds up there, for example. Like, this is a WWE list. <laughs> Hey, I just watched, you know, somebody r- reminded me about it. Them and the Steiners at the leadoff of Great American Bash 96 is a banger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I said in the Facebook group, I dropped Brothers of Destruction out. Uh, I would definitely move Demolition up. I think you can make the case Demolition should be in the top five. Uh, I'd move the Rockers up too. I'd have them in the top 10. Um, so I'd move the Steiners up. The Steiners were at number 17. Some of that, though, you know, it's what they did outside of the WWF too, but they, you know, they yeah. weren't shabby in the WWF either, but more so better elsewhere yeah like lod they're a much better wcw tag yeah agreed agreed but i mean as a whole you know i know some people are taking issue with the new day uh but you know maybe that is you're looking at classic wrestling from your childhood and you're thinking Mm -hmm. it's always better you know but like the new day has been around a long time at this point 
they've been incredibly popular. If you've been to a live show in the last five or six years, I mean, one of the best reactions of the crowd, their merch, their merch is sold like crazy. Even when they're doing those stupid unicorn things, they were all over the crowd. Everyone was buying them up. That tells you how popular they were. So, I mean, like, what's your criteria for this list? If you're looking at, you know, just good workers, that's one thing, but they're not, they're good workers. And then you look at mm-hmm. the whole picture, you look at dr- them being a draw, selling merchandise. I mean, the new, for sure, the new day has to be in the top five. I would oh, say, yeah. like, if they're not in the top five, like, you can, you can nitpick it, maybe move them around a little bit, but they would have to be in the top five for this to be legitimate, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, I had talked to you guys briefly off air you know, what a point that is really beaten, uh, you know, into the ground. When I look at this list compared to like all other promotions in history, tag team wrestling is just not that big of a deal in the WWE. And this, I think just drives it home because you're kind of like, well, who should be number one? And then you just kind of look at the lack of depth. I mean, when you go down to 50 and anything, okay, there's going to be some head scratching things, but man, I just think that, you know, it's the one promotion like ever where tag team wrestling is never presented as a main event level attraction. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's kind of tough to pick number one. I mean, you look at this list and there's a lot of thrown together like super teams. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of tough, you know, like the mega powers being at 13 is kind of like silly. Well, I, I was going to ask about D- that. DX at 21. Yeah. And, you know, they just, it feels like it's like, well, like, <laughs> it just feels like, um, you know, they, they just kind of put it random with no rhyme or reason. It's like, well, like, you know, mega powers work three times. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, I, they, but, that, but then again, I mean, they are one of the most remembered tag. Yes, teams that's time. true. But I mean, and I, you know, I mean, you, you can have a discussion. Well, I mean, how many times did you have to work? Yeah. You know, to make the list. Cause there's probably other super teams that worked not many more than three, but like, I mean, I, I don't know. We could go to a list. I mean, you know, like Jericho and Benoit, they're not going to put Benoit on the list, but, mm-hmm. um, it, but as far as like my top five, if we wanted to go in that, I struggle with who would be number one. Same. Uh, like a lot. I, I think Say money ink, you coward money. Okay. <laughs> money. One of the things that I've been very happy about with the internet in recent years is finding out that I am not the only one who absolutely was repulsed by money. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it is that nothing warms my soul like going on twitter and like every third week just reading somebody say money inc was trash god what a boring team they were mike rotunda god this guy could make anything suck that he was involved in <laughs> blue eminem oh. should be way higher on this list by the way just as a random can comment. i can i ask you really before you get yes before you get to your top five um I was just curious, Kyle, how you felt about the fact that power and glory weren't on the list. I mean, didn't even make the top 50. They had one great night at SummerSlam 90, and then it was all downhill, man. (laughs) Saw the sheep fuckers made the list, number 50. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'd be the bushwhackers for you, keep and tell, you know. Yeah. Um, No brain busters, huh? Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. And to the point with, you know, no revival, I thought was kind yeah, of yeah. That, that's also flagrant, and well, mm-hmm. we know why. Which what? Well, what do those both those teams have in common? You tell they're, me. They're featured pretty heavily on A and W. A W. Yeah. Iron yeah. Anderson, Tully Blanchard are all over that. Yeah, that's true. 
The Shield, I'm surprised they're not high. I mean, to I mean, again, that's another eight it with Moxley, but I'm surprised like you would have the New Day number one and the Shield twenty-two. I guess I mean the New Day lasted way longer, but is the gap that big? Because hmm. I I'll be honest with you, I like Shield trios matches a lot more. Than I like New Day matches. Yeah, I think the Shield probably comes in ten to fifteen in my list. Yeah. Yeah, but like they should be higher, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you get to that top fifteen, the difference isn't huge, so I mean, it's close. Yeah. Um, factoring in, obviously, they are a top ten team of all time, but you just factor in their WWE run. I thought the Steiners were really high on this list, considering their run was pretty brief. A year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And considering some of the teams they're ahead of, that that one really surprised me. I mean, I think it's just about the name because like that's oh, legacy, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I didn't think. I mean, wouldn't you, you take the the bar over the Steiner brothers for yes. tag team run? Yes. I mean, yeah. as far as WWE yeah. only, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what the list yeah. is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just it's it's name value, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and like we said, some of them aren't on here because they didn't spend time with WWE or any considerable time with WWE, but since they did have that very brief run in the, in the mid nineties, I think they, they kind of, they put them there and then they kind of factored in probably what they did outside. It's gotta be name recognition more than anything. You know, one of the most famous. And the same with LOD being at number six. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, because if you don't have the LOD really high on your list, but everyone knows about hey Legion of doom, Mm-hmm. then you're basically self-admitting we did a shitty job with them. That's so, it, like, I, I get that's why yeah. they do it, probably. So should we do top fives? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to let you guys talk me into things or I'm just going to think about it. Definitely in my top five would be the New Day. Definitely in my top five would be the Hardys. Definitely in my top five would be the Usos. The Rockers are in my top five. And I want to hear who you guys else have because mm. number five is real close. Th- th- those four would definitely be in my top five, and I can wow. explain why later. It's a little hard for me to be objective with the Heart Foundation. Just I think the Heart Foundation they... absolutely should be top five. I okay. do. You both would say that. Well, if you have the Rockers, <laughs> I don't know how you can't have the Heart Foundation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What a, what a Marty Janetti Mark Kyle Ross is. I'm not saying yeah, the Rockers are... don't invo- don't belong in the top five, but if you're putting them up there, you got to have the Heart Foundation, Kyle. I like the Rockers better. So you said the Hardy Boys were in your top. The Hardy Boys might would definitely be on the list for number one for sure. Okay. Well, my top five, if you want to think about it, Justin, I would have the top three on the list are in my top five for sure. I'd have a New Day. I'd have the Hardy Boys. I've had. I would have the Heart Foundation. I'd have Demolition. This is in no particular order. Demolition for my fourth. And then with the fifth, I'm I've been going back and forth between either the Bulldogs or the New Age Outlaws. Because with the New Age Outlaws, man, I mean, Kyle, I think you threw this out there in the Facebook group. They're one of the most over acts in the entire company during the most popular time in company history. I, I mean, you you could make an argument that no team on this list was as over ever as the New Age Outlaws were in the summer of 1998. Yeah, so for me, it's New Day, it's Hardy's, it's Heart Foundation, it's Demolition, and then, boy, in that fifth spot, I'd have the Outlaws, I'd have the Bulldogs, 
maybe the Rockers. Like those three are, I probably have the Rockers just outside of it, uh, just based on WWE work alone. Um, man, it's tough though. I my top four are like set in stone. That fifth that fifth spot's harder. So not as much love for Edge and Christian for you guys. I, I kind of get the sure. Dudley boys, but yeah, they're in my top 10, but no, I mean, I think the heart, well, again, you go with like long Jeff, like they weren't a team that long, really. Unless do they go back? I mean, they kind of like with tease go back to them, but they, I mean, they're a top 10, but no, they're not in my top five. Okay. I mean, they were a team as long or pretty close to as long as the rockers. Right. And certainly they had more success. And the Rockers are what, about two and a half years ish? A little under three years? Three and a half, maybe? With, 88, with the... 88 to like, yeah, the, like the beginning of 92. I mean, if you can factor in the brood, I would say that Edge and Christian were pretty close to that. And I'd say their moments are a lot higher than any of the Rockers' highlights. I think with the Rockers, what does it for me is people have a you know, kind of the rose tinted glasses with that period of tag team wrestling in the WWE. And they had by far the best matches out of that group. When did the rockers? So, you know, they came in and then they got let go. Was it the end of 88? They brought them back. It was around SummerSlam 88 that they were in for like for keeps. Okay. Cause they started around mania four, right? When they got let go right away. I think it was like even 87. Okay. That they were like brought in for that. Yeah. And then they like, there was something at a bar or something. The other guy let go. But yeah, it was like the summer of 88 that they were brought in for keeps. Okay. So like three and change, they were mm-hmm. into early 92. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing though with Edge and Christian. Okay. I've been thinking about this. Takeaway ladders. What do you think of Edge and Christian? Where it like was... how many great traditional tag team matches have they had? Okay, well, demolition, take away the Heart Foundation. How many great matches have they had? Uh New Age Outlaws, take away uh Mankind and Terry Funk. How many great matches have they had? Okay, I'll answer those because it's not just one thing. With demolition, they were champions for basically two and a half years in the promotion mm-hmm. at the peak time. And no one really complains. It's not like that was undeserved. True, true. Um, with the New Age Outlaws, again, their stardom was such that you could look past the in-ring. I think with Edge and Christian, I would just definitely have them below the Hardys. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah and, like, and, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, are they like number seven or number eight? Yeah, I just think that I'm not sure what they were like the best at. So for your list, tag title reigns don't really mean anything if you have the Rockers, right? Since they didn't have the titles. No, I mean, that, that's I mean, why you probably couldn't have them number one. I mean, because it's great. Yeah, they never had it. But no, I mean, number of no. Like, I mean, because if you just had a bunch of cup of coffee runs that didn't mean jack shit. No, I don't think that matters. Demolition's tag title run absolutely matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, again, that was a period where there was an actual tag team division. They were the champions basically the whole time. Yeah. It's tough, but I mean, again, like as we talk about this and I'm looking at their top 10, like they're pretty much all in there except for demolition, which there's a political reason. They're just outside of the top 10. Mm-hmm. And, and they're part of the yeah, big loss. Yeah, you know, Great point. 
Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think the notion that they were Road Warriors ripoffs always stuck with them and in people's minds. That's why they're probably below the LOD. And I thought that was kind of unfair, though. Yeah, always. It's not like they weren't over. It's not like people laughed them out of the building and were like, "Oh my god, look at these guys." They were very over. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I, I mean, I know Darso came up, you know, with, was part of that Minnesota crew, even with the Road Warriors. But I, I always thought that was kind of an unfair criticism because they got over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you swap out the brothers of destruction. That's the only egregious one. Take them out of the top 10, move demolition into the top 10 and then move the rockers in the top 10, maybe for the Dudleys. And like, this is a solid top 10. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched the series that they put out, you know, counting them all down. I kind of want to now, but just because I think overall it is a pretty good list. So, and you know, I mean the British Bulldogs, we should just say this because I know someone mentioned them. When they came in in 1985, I mean, it was like mind blowing. So, I mean, they might be the team um, that that would round out my top five just for that, because it was just so like, whoa, like where do these guys come from? Uh, it was crazy. I mean, in, in terms of like star ratings, the bar probably has more great matches than the British Bulldogs. I think. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. talked about that before. Um but you know there weren't a lot of like great tag team matches in the in the 1980s. To be honest with you, um, at least ones that are fondly remembered. I mean, even like the Bulldogs and the Hearts. People talk about this great rivalry. What's the go-to Bulldogs Heart match? I don't know what it is. Yeah, they're not on a on a big stage. When I I know there's a match they had at MSG that's pretty highly regarded. It's good, but it's yeah. not like you know. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't think like I've never seen like a four and a half star British Bulldogs Heart Foundation match. I don't yeah. think it's out there. So um, if you force me to pick a number one, though, I don't know. Is the New Day? I mean, because they're like, a ma- they were a pseudo main event level act. I think it's got to be the New Day or the Hardy. Who are their top two? I think that I think yeah. they have the right top two, to be honest Agreed. with you. The Usos is interesting. They've got longevity. They've had a lot of good matches. But correct me if I'm wrong. Before, like, a couple of years ago, had they never even, like, worked a WrestleMania? Like, on the main show? 34 was the first one. That yeah. Was their- yeah. I mean, they've had really good matches. They've transformed their career. You know, they used to wear, like, the neon colors, and then they went heel, and they made their characters even better, I think. The, the biggest issue with the Usos is, for a lot of their run, I don't think there was a lot of audience investment in them. But they were always having good matches. Yeah. It- it never felt like they were even close to one of the most important things in the promotion, right. even if they had the titles at the time. Yeah. I think more than any other team on this list, uh, except for maybe Street Profits, I, the Usos could jump up here too. You know, they they have another run in them, mm-hmm. especially with this whole, you know, family thing going on. Yeah. The fucking natural disasters were 34. <laughs> People love the natural disasters. Hey, you got to give it to them for them putting the Hardys at number two, though, and ranking them over Edge and Christian. I guess you got two teams there with people in AEW now. But I mean, mm-hmm. the Hardys were just a just an absolute phenomenon in and- the late 90s. You can't overlook that. I mean, a lot of good Attitude Era tag teams that were incredibly popular at the shows at the time with the live crowd. The Hardys were number one, though. And, and they would both went on to be big singles guys. And, yep. and Edge and Christian, I mean, you could argue. Edge is, I guess, the bit. Edge is the biggest single star of the four. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Hardy's definitely number two. Yep. 
was Matt Hardy a bigger single star than Christian in WWE? Mm, I would say Same. no. That's probably I would about say even. No. Yeah, I think it's about even. Christian had the world title runs though. Didn't Matt Hardy the have world the world title? He had the, the ECW title. <laughs> yeah, but Christian didn't have Christian. it. He didn't have it for very long though. He did win it. You're right, but he. It, but I like that program with Randy Orton was pretty good. Yeah. But, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. Oh, okay. I, I'm just curious. What's the one team on this list that just offends you that they're on it? And then also, what's the most erroneous omission? The worst team on this list. Fuck, I just uh, the natural disasters were not good. <laughs> like they just weren't. Like they were like around for basically a year and change. They never had any good matches. I struggle to remember any good angles. They weren't. Like, their tag title run wasn't important. The tag team division was going down the old pooper at that time. They're not good on this list. Um, trying to look who else uh, here. Jericho at 35? Seems I mean, high. Was that really that good? <laughs> I mean, I don't really have many great memories of that pairing. Jericho I mean, and Big Show. You know, that was funny. That was when they did the unified tag team title gimmick. Right, they actually, you know, and they did make the tag team titles like a main event because they were working DX. I want to say, I can't even remember the freaking year. It was like two thousand eight or nine ish or yeah, something like that. Been, yeah. But again, you're right. I mean, are they? That seems kind of sad that a team with that shelf life would be number thirty five. <laughs> but I mean, hey, it's WWE, and we don't, you know, tag teams aren't main event acts generally speaking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you were to look at like the, like the Bushwhackers are obviously really bad, but people remember them. So it's mm -hmm. like, I would expect them to be on a WWE list. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the natural disasters might be the worst team <laughs> on the list because they, they just objectively weren't good or yeah. memorable. <laughs> There's no um, rhythm and blues on this list. No, I mean, they, they would have been very uh, offensive <laughs> had they been on this list. That was a terrible team. No, no yeah. dream team. I know you're a big fan of them, aren't you, Kyle? Dream team should be on this list. Yes. Uh, Orient Express, Killer Bees. Oh, yeah. The Killer Bees should definitely be on Killer the list. Killer Bees, maybe. Yeah, maybe. The Orient Express. Nah. I mean, if some of these other teams are on this list, absolutely the Killer Bees should be on this list. I think they were pretty big in the mid 80s. One of my earliest wrestling memories is watching them on TV, to be honest. So maybe I'm biased. <laughs> but I'd have I'm, the killer bees. I, I, I apologize if I've told the story before. I remember when Nitro was first starting. And people started talking wrestling in my math class. This was been like freshman year of high school, I guess. And like some guys like, are the killer bees still in wrestling? <laughs> Hell yeah, there you go. That is proof so, right there they should be on this list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, any, any, any of them stand out for you, Justin, that aren't on here or ones that you take offense to? Um, I, a lot of it like is just how high some of these are. I don't really care for Kane and X-Pac. That didn't do much for me. I wasn't really around for the Quebecers. I did not like too cool, but I'm fine with them being there. They were very over for a little bit in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we can say a top 50 tag team member was on top rope nation if the Quebecers are on here. 
True. I like the Quebecers. Yeah. The Nasty Boys were not a good WWF tag team. No, no. But they also were a much better WCW tag team. Yeah. Agreed. I get so my biggest omission is revival. Just how when you talk about like a great tag team division, that NXT, if you're going to have DIY on there, you got to have the revival. Yes. You could argue the revival should be higher than DIY. Yeah. Yeah. Where's DIY? 38th? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the revival's for sure the biggest omission. Especially when you consider Undisputed Era at 20, which I have no problem on this list, but um, as far as the tag team division, I mean, they're even at least with DIY and Revival. I see the Blackjacks on this list, which (laughs) makes me uh, recall that great Mick Foley story when he brought home the new Blackjacks action figures to his children and they started crying. (laughs) (laughs) Love that story. Oh, that's amazing. It's <laughs> oh, a great story. I think it's in his first book. Oh, man. All right. I think, I, one last thing. I think they should have just put all of Owen Hart's teams on here. We, yes. we needed the team with Yoko. We needed high energy and we needed the new foundation. What are we doing? <laughs> His team with Yoko was pretty entertaining. You got him and the Bulldog on here at 30. Yeah. Him and Yoko, it was a good match of, right? Because Owen could do yep. 90% of the work and then Yoko could come and hit one, one big power move. It was, yeah. A logical pairing. Yeah. All what? Right. Wait. What about Windham and Rotundo? They didn't have a long run, but they held the yeah they, a couple times, right? They, they should have been on this list for sure. They were. They were very over. First use real American. That's very true. Mm-hmm. For that alone, they should have one been one of the most here. iconic themes of all time. The originators of that one. All right. Where's well, hey. Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis? <laughs> <laughs> now they're, now now they're coming out game. of Woodward. Yeah. <laughs> now we're noticing. Guys, let us know what you thought of the 50 greatest tag teams. Either the, you know, the documentary, not documentary, countdown show. What should I call it? Countdown show. Uh, the list itself. Send us an email. We can read them on the show. If you have comments, it's nation at gmail.com. And uh, we've got some really fun shows planned for you here in the coming weeks. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel over on the podcasting feed, of course. And then if you want extra content, you can join uh, Kyle and myself every week. We do a bonus show over on Spotify Green Room. So get the Spotify Green Room app. It is now on both Android and Apple. Get the app, follow me and Kyle. Just look us up, Ryan Drosty and Kyle Ross. And then we can send you an invite when we go live on there. Uh, lately, it has been on Wednesday evenings after Dynamite. And if you can't join us live on the app, Got some good news for you. We put them out as a podcast, a bonus podcast only available over on our Patreon page. You can get a weekly bonus show from us at patreon.com slash top rope nation. Plus, of course, our monthly bonus show, Top Rope Nation Classics, five bonus shows per month and other benefits as well for just $5 a month. It's the best way to support Top Rope Nation. Check it out. The link is in the podcast description. Follow Kyle on Twitter at TRP Kyle. Justin is at Justin Joint, J-O-I-N-T. I'm at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E. Uh, you can check out Kyle. Tell him about the project that you've had going on with Liam. Uh, did that new new episode drop yet? Part did two it? I don't, I don't know what's no. going on over there. It must there. be coming has, soon. I know that. It must be. Yes, it must be. But no, we've got uh, you know our part three look at uh, the year of 1991 in the World Wrestling Federation. My God, what a year it was. Lots of good stuff. Hulk Hogan on Arsenio Hall. A sorry 
performance on Arsenio <laughs> Hall, as uh, Dave Meltzer called it. And he was completely correct uh, in doing so. Uh, match made in heaven, match made in hell build. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior's departure from the promotion, you know, how he was fired by Vince McMahon. I mean, peak Vince McMahon, lying to get him through the show and then just 86ing him with just a vicious letter. And then, yeah, part two. Um, or part 3B for those keeping score at home, uh, we'll take a look at Ric Flair's uh, departure from WCW and entrance uh, into the World Wrestling Federation and all the undercard goodness that was going on at the time in the promotion. Yeah, so check it out. It's Squared Circle Gazette Radio. Uh, our good friend of the pod, Liam O'Rourke, hosts it. Really great deep dive with uh, him and Kyle. Worth the listen for sure. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, I was a guest on the Pro Wrestling Torch WWE Then and Now uh, with Frank Pettiani the other day. It was a lot of fun looking back at Money in the Bank 2011, so you can listen to that. And on an upcoming edition of Top Rope Nation, we're going to be doing a retrospective on the Punk Cena match for Money in the Bank 2011 since we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary of that big match fun time in the business we're going to do that kind of in the style that we've looked back at tlc 2012 on the show in the past hulk hogan and Shawn michaels going to be one of those retrospective shows where we just really focus in and deep dive on that one particular match from that moment in time it's going to be a good one i'm excited to record it. it'll be coming here in the next couple of weeks it's clobbering time <laughs> so with that said for kyle ross Justin Joint. My name is Ryan Drossi. This has been episode 214 of Top Rope Nation. Take care.